0: Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, and sometimes I even interview myself and share some impromptu thoughts, and uh, some impromptu motivation, inspiration, or just transparency if I'm struggling through something so that you know that it's okay. You can have a tough season and still move forward uh, towards your dreams. You can have an incredible season where everything is going right in your world and still feel sad inside. And that's okay. Um, But what I want to share with you most importantly is that tomorrow it's going to get better no matter what's going on today. I promise you, keep on going. Don't give up. And I'm here for you. We at Move Happy are here for you. So one thing that I'm really excited about, I'm just wrapped up my work day, uh, my new day job. I think I'm week five, might be week six. I'd have to double check. Um, we, I know we did training the week before my birthday in end of June. And uh, just something that, can't, excuse me, I just had some snap peas. Um, I'm not going to edit this because this is real life. Um, I'm literally doing impromptu and wanted to share with you some insights. So I was thinking about, I was, I was working with really cool technician today and then we had a tech lead towards the end of the day assisting us with pretty large um, home situation there was some flood damage and whatnot, and like protocols and what to do, what not to do. Um, For those of you that haven't been following and you're just now listening to the show for the first time um, for my day job I'm actually in the HVAC industry so it's pretty exciting helping people improve the comfort of their home and Something that really stood out to me was just how knowledgeable our technicians are. Um, I've gotten to work with some that have only been with the company a few months, some that have been with the company for 30 plus years, and they're all extremely knowledgeable. And when you when you act in a place, if you're if you're in a new job or if you're in a new maybe you moved to a new area. Or your kids are in a new grade and there's lots of new things going on in your world. Maybe you just joined the military or maybe you joined a softball team for the first time. Whatever it is for you that's new. Um, there should always be someone that's more experienced, more skilled, more knowledgeable that you can lean in towards and be curious about. Ask them. Be authentic and say things like, you know, I'm, I'm new and I want to learn Um what's going on in this situation? Um, and, and don't, don't feel like if I'm asking you questions that I'm like questioning your expertise, it's more because I'm curious and I want to learn. What I've found is that people are way more open to teaching when you come from that approach, as opposed to, well, why are you doing that? Right. Uh, most of our communication is done through our tone and what we say And I do have to confess, um, last few weeks have been high stress for me. Um, Unstable housing, we're getting that fixed soon. Um, Going through a separation, not sure on that one, still praying on that. Um, New job for me, new day job. Wasn't planning on getting in a car accident, having a vehicle hit me while I was driving for Lyft and them not allowing me to use the platform anymore. Um, Still have over 2500 positive five star experiences with customers. And I got to develop two different therapies while uh, doing lift just through my own creation. Um, However, transitions are new in the workspace for me. And so I have, I've, I've had to adjust, and I've gotten the opportunity to pivot in life. And sometimes we have to pivot and adjust. And that is when the opportunity to see something new, it's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. Um, and that's really the same situation however you view it. Um, I'm actually reminded of when I was in graduate school every Friday, we had this, this thing where we got to, I want to say it was from 1 to 2 p.m. or, or thereabouts. We had, um, it was like a progressive training for Ph.D. level and Master's level presenters to share what they were doing in active research to give them an opportunity to practice before the end of their um either second year for master's level or end of their fourth or fifth year for phd level present in front of a small group within the same degree space so that we could support them and we could see where their progress was and it was a really neat experience because for me um we didn't have anyone in my household that went to graduate school. Now, my cousin, Renee, she got her master's degree and she's older than me. So I had that role model, but we weren't really super close um, with our cousins and whatnot. Um, We would go to, you know, birthdays and Christmas parties and things like that. Um, But as far as like feeling like I could give her a call, Um, Those are things that I just didn't do growing up that often, and so I didn't have that example within my household of role modeling, uh, what questions to ask, what's what's graduate school going to look like, and so this was a, a really neat experience to gradually prepare me for my final project the next year, and I remember one Friday afternoon, one of our presenters and sometimes professors presented as well to give you active research from the academic standpoint. Uh, I can't remember if it was a professor or a student that was presenting, but they showed us a picture. And Now imagine you are looking at a photo of a cyclist and you can tell from the photo that there's wind blowing so they're picking up some speed. And towards the front of the photo, not too far away, is a car door that is just about to open. And the bicycle could easily hit that door and be flipped over top of the car, or swerves around and interjects in between traffic that's on the left-hand side. Now, the words, there was two words on the screen. It said obstacle or opportunity. And that was their opening for the whole presentation. They wanted us to write down one of those words, obstacle or opportunity. And then they went on to discuss whatever the research was in that particular space. Um, I believe this was in the sport and exercise psychology department, which is where I majored through. And the research had demonstrated that high-level athletes uh, will actually, most of the time, If it looks like it's an obstacle to most lay people, and if you're not familiar with what that means, that just means anyone in the general population that doesn't fit that specific um, study population. So anyone in the public would call it an obstacle, right? You got a car there, they're about to get out their car, and you got a bicycle that's running full speed, gonna run over their toes, right? Um, However, extreme athletes or highly trained athletes... They actually will view that same situation, same exact variables, as an opportunity. Um, so what is what is a possible takeaway from this? Well, um, if you're a leader in business, if you're a leader in the military, if you're a leader in your home, in the school system, basically anywhere, and you want your children, you want your... Athletes, you want your teachers if you're a principal, you want your soldiers if you are a leader in the military, or maybe you work in the medical space and you want your nurses and staff, you're running a hospital, you want them to have a better attitude, a better outlook on their situation at work or their situation at home. Encourage them. And provide them ample time during the work day or during the school day to exercise. We all know that exercise and sports, physical activity, moving the body is good for us. Like there's enough research out there. There's enough Fitbits and Apple Watches to know that we're all highly aware that we were designed and created to move. However... What I've found, even in my own state of being, my own mood, which I know that I am completely in control of, has shifted drastically in the last five weeks. And I'm just going to lay that out there extremely authentically because it is a busy season with this new, new job, new industry, and I was used to having for my own mental health an hour every day. For exercise, and that has completely shifted, so i 'm learning to communicate my needs with my supervisors and letting them know I will be a better employee, I will be creating more buying environments if I am allotted a healthy portion of me time during a reasonable scheduled shift and uh, we actually had a meeting this morning about a variety of things and then one neat really neat thing is there's a lot of mental health resources through um through the company and I didn't know that because uh, the medical plan is a high deductible plan so in my mind what I had perceived as what was available was I had to pay off the deductible first and then I could use the benefits um And that's actually not the case. So I'm excited. I'm gonna sign up for some some therapy sessions and see what kind of options they have for holistic health and whatnot. Uh, Because I've gone through a lot of transitions, and if you are going through a lot of transitions right now, whether it be a job change, address change, relationship status change, all three for me, yes. (laughs) Um, Don't have any deaths in the family or friends. Knock on wood, Um, but three extremely stressful situations that someone might say is stressful um, in and of themselves, I experienced um, simultaneously. So check in with yourself, communicate, check in with your bosses, check in with your children, with your students, with your athletes, with your employees. And I strongly encourage you to get in that exercise every day at least 30 minutes. If you've been doing 30 minutes for a long, long time and you you want to up it to the next level, uh, the general recommendations through the ACSM, the American College of Sports Medicine, is for, and this is for Americans, right? It's a little bit different if you're in different countries because there are different standards and protocol. They do different research based on the populations that live there. But in general, because there is so much obesity in the world going on and in the United States and any of our what we consider like first world uh, countries where uh, you have a lot of opportunities to be sitting at a desk and, and things of that nature higher um, income opportunities and whatnot, um, they actually now recommend 60 minutes a day that's for your physical health that's for your mental health that is for pretty much everything now 60 minutes can be moderate to vigorous exercise for 60 minutes and you can break it up into 10 minute bouts um, I, for me I like to do it in the morning time I like to do it before work um, they, the general recommendation is um, because heart disease, cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer in America, they recommend most days doing cardio If you could do all days, uh, 30 minutes of cardio, um, that would be great. If you could do 60 minutes of cardio, even better. But if you're going from zero minutes, I would not shoot all the way up to 60. Uh, My father, I love him, and uh, he did pass away a few years ago, but he was one of those personality types. And you probably are giggling right now to yourself because you know there's someone at your house. Maybe it's you, maybe it's your spouse that is one of those, Oh, I'm going to start this new diet or, Oh, I'm going to, and they go to the extreme. That was my father. Uh, if my mom's listening to this right now, she's probably giggling to herself, not, not to make fun of my father, but he worked a really hard job. And towards the end of his life, he had gained quite a bit of weight. Most of, most of the reason was because he had one kidney. So that one kidney and a diet, you know, questionable diet, but um, he worked very long days, lack of sleep. He worked 12 to 14-hour days, uh, high intense uh, stress level, 100% buyback commission. So that meant if he put too much food on the shelf at the grocery stores, he had to eat it in commissions the following week. Uh, so higher stress in the body releases higher cortisol. And the higher the cortisol, and you can go to a science you know, website and they'll give you a more specific explanation. But basically, the higher the cortisol, the higher level of fat in your body that just stays there. So, um, if you can lower your stress, if you can increase your level of sleep if you're not quite to the seven to eight hour mark, and if you can get regular physical activity or exercise, um, which is more intentional where you're kind of getting up to that target heart rate zone consistently, that's going to be way more beneficial towards helping you overall holistically with your weight, mental health, mood, confidence level. I mean, the list goes on and on. So that is uh, just, just some gem- general recommendations that are kind of coming through my mind right now. Um, what I, what I really love to do, uh, for me is, and I, and I do a variety of things, right? Um, uh, right now I don't have that hour uh, because I'm not getting Quality sleep. So I'm choosing to do uh, up to 30 minutes of yoga. And I'm going to give my girl a shout out. I haven't met her yet, but I would love to interview her anytime on the podcast. So if you know yoga with Adrian, Miss Adrian Mishler out of Austin, Texas, um, her videos are so freaking fun. She makes yoga fun. She does include some of the cool yoga scientific names, or I don't even know if you call it scientific, but she uses like the Uh, the official names out of the yoga books that are like I think 2,000 years old Um, and then she'll throw in some random 90s R&B lyric that comes to her mind because of whatever she said that just you know made her go that way and that that reminds me of myself sometimes being random and trying to be silly so that's what I've been doing lately during the week and then on the weekends I'm trying to get some sun in and getting into the woods because I love hiking in the trails and things like that Um, now I'm also in transition to move soon and I just moved temporarily to a spot so for me I'm still trying my best to get those minutes in but I'm not quite where I'd like to be where I know that my mental health is like way more balanced and whatnot and I'm okay with that right now because I understand that I'm gonna get back to it as soon as I get settled in my own my own place so uh, it's been a long time coming to get my own place and I'm really excited. Um, I've either had roommates, I've, I've either lived with family, I've either lived with husbands <laughs> or fiancés and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do me for a while. I'm going to do me and I'm going to focus on my purpose and I encourage you to do that as well. Um, who we associate with can drastically improve our mood or it can drastically decrease it. So be careful who you associate with. Be intentional. Uh, I never want to be the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, leave and find somebody else that could mentor you, challenge you to take you to that next level, whatever that looks like for you. Oh my goodness. So I've got 19 minutes left on this commute. And I want to give you some, some good knowledge bombs because you are taking the time. And I really appreciate all of you that have been watching the, or I should say listening to the show consistently since 2019. Um, and those of you that are just popping in, uh, maybe your friend shared the show with you or maybe you're one of my coworkers because I was talking to a lot of our commercial department letting them know, hey, my network is open. I'm here to add value to the company. And so where, wherever you're at and whoever you are, I love you, I appreciate who you are, and I'm grateful for you. Um, something that something that's speaking in my heart right now, I really want you, if you've got kids, especially at home, or maybe you work in a leadership role with children or college students, um, youth, maybe youth sports, things like that, um, really encourage Variety in physical activity and variety in sports. Uh, we see a lot, oftentimes, in sports psychology cases. We're, we're coaching, um, this is a very high level, and I say we loosely. I haven't coached an NFL athlete, but I can tell you firsthand I've got friends that have been in the NFL and they've spoken to me directly about their injury and how much loss they felt mentally when they were no longer able to play in the game because that was their big goal in life. And then when they lost it, they didn't know how to recuperate. So what I strongly encourage you to do if you are working in these sports, you're a parent is to encourage a variety of physical activities and sports. And some coaches might say, no, don't do it because if you get injured in one, then you lose out on both. But you got to think long term about their mental health. Uh, If they get injured, then they're not going to be able to play at all. And if they do get injured and they feel that loss, maybe they never play any sports ever again. And they, you know, gain weight and they become obese and they talk about the good old days and they used to be able to throw the ball and they were quarterback of the team or, or something like that. Be thinking about what kind of impact you can make right now in influencing protecting their mental health by allowing them to experience different activities that they might actually enjoy. And those variety of activities can actually help enhance their athletics. Um, I'm thinking, and I really don't want to name drop um, athletes, when I don't really know all the details of them, but literally this comes to mind because my oldest brother had his poster in his room, Bo Jackson. He was a dual athlete for, I want to say baseball and I know football for sure, but it was either basketball or baseball. I can't remember which one. You can excel in a variety of skills, but it's sometimes the coaches that put those limiting. Thoughts, those limiting factors on the athletes because they want results. They want to win the game and they're not necessarily thinking about the long-term mental health factors. So if you're listening to the show and you're a parent, you might have those conversations with your kids. You might have those conversations with the coaches and just encourage them like, hey, this can be your main sport, but you also have to do one other activity because I want you to experience more in your body. And maybe it's something you do as a family. Maybe you guys go on hikes on the weekends, or maybe you get them into some sort of martial arts or things like that. Um, Whatever it is, understand that they might not like it, and that's okay. But I would strongly encourage them to try it for a season, and then if they don't like it at the end of the season, they don't have to do another one. Quitting mid-season is not really helpful to the team. Because that teaches your kid that it's okay to quit something. And it, and it disrupts um, what the coaches have to do to prepare and organize and orchestrate. And oftentimes, especially in youth sports, they don't get paid that much. And if it's elementary level, oftentimes they're volunteering for that position. So they're already not getting paid. And then they're going to have to add extra work to, to cover what, uh, what your child is, is doing. So some tips for you on the sports in variety of of exercises. Now, my favorites. Um, I didn't do that well in sports. Um, I did do volleyball pretty well. I played in junior high and then I played in college, like as a rec class, and that was like super fun. But for the most part, I really enjoyed the safe activities on a step box, aerobics, running, um, dancing, swimming was an in- pretty much an individual sport. You might have teams. But you're not like you're each individually swimming your stroke and then, you know, tagging the next person or you're doing, you know, your flip turn. Uh, You're not necessarily coordinating implements and trying to get them into a net or things like that. Um, So completely different. And there's actually a lot of research on how people lean in to what sports and physical activities they enjoy and oftentimes it is through experiences through their upbringing Um, vicarious experiences those are experiences that someone might uh, observe from someone else's experience like a younger sibling watching an older sibling play you know taekwondo or something and then all of a sudden they want to do taekwondo because it looks fun right and they hear how much fun their older brother or sister is experiencing that And there's also another experience that's really important. And I'm blanking on the name right now because it's been a long day, Uh, but it's it's the first experience. I know there's an official psychology term for it. I'll think of it and I'll probably share it on the next episode. So, hey, (laughs) reason for you to listen to the next one. Um, But what it is essentially is it's your first time ever experiencing a sport or physical activity or anything new. Uh, but we're going to contain it into um, the category of movement. So the very first time someone experiences something, it's like a first impression, right? You've got three seconds to impress someone. Otherwise, like they're probably never going to want to talk to you again. Well, it's very similar in your own experience with sports and physical activities. The very first one, it's our mastery experience. Oh, so you don't have to listen to the next one. Mastery experience is our first time ever experiencing something. If you have someone that is a terrible coach, and I mean the kind of coach that is cursing and swearing and throwing things at the athletes because they didn't run fast enough or is doing inappropriate things to your child because they have that power over them, uh, they are 100% basically guaranteed to not enjoy that experience and to probably not ever do that sport or physical activity, whatever it is for them, right? Pretty obvious on the second example I gave, that was an extreme one. Um, You you might see that in college athletics, hopefully you don't see that in the minor athletics where there's children involved, but if there is ever a question of child abuse, um, please report it immediately uh, to Child Protective Services if you're in the United States. Um, I'm not sure if it's called the same thing in other countries, but you can check um, with your government leadership on that. Um, we do need to protect our children, and that's unfortunately something that happens all too often. But generally, it's not a stranger that's doing that abuse. It's someone that they know. And I know that from firsthand experience, which I write about in my book. Um, I digress. So I'm um, Mastery experiences are those first time impressions, right? So, some ways that we can improve on mastery experiences is modeling what the activity should look like. Um, I actually did for my master's project in graduate school, uh, it's called Project Asthma, and I created five songs and dances to educate and build awareness for asthma. Uh, The intention for for it was for fifth grade level. Um, However, the feedback from teachers said that it was high school level for the music and middle school, junior high level for the dance moves. Um, But essentially, mastery experiences, if you can increase the attention of the individual, um, if you can demonstrate a physical example of it, um, live is going to be best. So like If you're doing it from a distance, live stream videos on whatever platform you prefer. Um, If you're not able to do in person or live because of the pandemic or whatnot, um, video is going to be your next most effective style. And think about physical movements. So imagine you're in an aerobics class and you're stepping on a box. Now, they've got mirrors in that room for a purpose, not just to flex. Okay, (laughs) Uh, There's actually a benefit when you face the mirror and your students or your um, athletes are behind you and they're mimicking your moves. They are visualizing it much more clearly in their mind As opposed to if you face the audience. And I actually did that my first year um, incorrectly, my first year in graduate school, because uh, I didn't have a whole lot of foundational training in my undergraduate. Uh, We had a lot of substitute professors and instructors um, that didn't know a whole lot of what needed to be done. And our aerobics instructor was actually phenomenal, um, Susan Westring, She's married to the football coach. I'm sure they both have since retired. I haven't uh, caught up with her in a minute. Uh, But she didn't, the room that she was in didn't have, it was a green room for all the athletic sports and things. They didn't have um, glass on the walls. But in graduate school at Oregon State University, they did. And so I got some feedback from Rochelle, who's my mentor there, and she said, it's going to be a lot easier for you and for your students to mimic your moves. So if you're wanting them to be more effective and enjoy the activity more that got my ears perked face face the mirror so keeping their attention demonstrate a physical way to move and um, additionally you can do uh, there's two different ways to teach you can demonstrate the whole move or you can demonstrate a part of the move and then add a next part and then add a next part um or you can do a combination of the the two I liked when I was teaching step aerobics uh, of course this was the first time I ever actually got an opportunity to teach it so I learned quite a bit uh, from my first year to my second year there because we did a quarter system so I think it was 10 weeks per quarter 10 to 12 weeks and I taught two hours per class there was four classes so I taught two step aerobics a cardio combinations and a weight training class um, so I had a lot of of opportunity to improve in my instruction and I wanted my students to be better and I wanted to improve just because I care about being a professional and I didn't want to look like a doofus <laughs> and so um, something that I learned through that journey was essentially if I keep them moving their heart rate stays up so I did some simple moves where it was just going um, over the step they stepped up They hopped over to the other side and then they stepped up again and they hopped back uh, to the opposite side. We usually started on the left side because I'm left-handed and lefties are always right. (laughs) Um, And then I, while they were doing that, I say, keep moving, keep, keep that tempo, whatever the music was, you know. And I would demonstrate the move. I would tell them the name of the move so that they would coordinate the name as a cue for the movement. And then on the six seven and eight count that was when I would transition them to join me in that move now we would typically do that particular move uh, for anywhere from four counts if it was an eight count step I would do it four times or if it was a a four count um, individual movement then we would do it eight times for a total whatever the total was it was always 32 counts for a, a full phrase and as we built out the moves throughout the progress, the workout, uh, we would have four full phrases of step moves that they would learn in one hour workout. Uh, I also come combined uh, because it's recommended through the ACSM standards to have muscle fitness exercises incorporated in all fitness classes and flexibility. So, and flexibility is a fancy word for stretching. If you're a younger listener or new to the space, essentially. We tried to get 45 minutes of the workout because it was a step aerobics class. We tried to get 45 minutes of cardio where they were actually you know, consistently moving their body, getting their heart rate up to their target heart rate zone uh, from anywhere from 65 to 85% of the threshold. Sometimes it goes down depending on what year someone's doing research. Sometimes they lower it down to 55%, but you're going to get more calories burned if you're to the upper threshold. Um, And then the remaining 15 minutes, what I really like to do in my second year, we added it more so um, because as uh, the more that I took classes and learned about transitioning and helping prepare uh, in my own studies, meditation, I started incorporating that. Um, I learned about mindfulness, uh, cognitive based therapy uh, through one of my colleagues and mentor. She was in my same program, but in her Ph.D. level. Alexis, she encouraged me to get into meditation because I was extremely stressed um, in graduate school. I was not really fun to be around my first year. So my second year, I was much more fun because <laughs> I was meditating more. And we did the last, uh, so there's 15 minutes left. The last 10 minutes of it, we did um, a, a combination of a cool down for like two to three minutes, sometimes five if, if it was a really hard workout. And the cool down incorporated some loose stretching. So like, um, uh, what is, I can't think of the name of the, I think it's knocking on heaven's door is what yoga with Adrian calls it, where you're kind of wrapping your arms around each other and you're standing and you're loosely um, turning in a half circle to the left and to the right. Um, Doing stretches like that, where it's dynamic stretches in motion, um, can really help to decrease the DOMS effect, and it also decreases the likeliness of any um, injuries. And uh, additionally, so we've got five minutes left. That The last five minutes was usually reserved from s- for some sort of meditation. Um, sometimes we did visualization activities. I really let my students let me know what they, what they needed most. If they had a final coming up soon, um, if they were just really stressed for whatever reason, we would do a visualization exercise. And at the end, their heart rates are back down to a resting state, and they were enjoying the experience. So those are some things that I recommend if you are wanting to increase the likeliness of someone adhering to an exercise program of someone enjoying the experience and actually wanting to replicate what you're doing, um, incorporate, incorporate those things. So modeling the behavior. Um, if you're doing a aerobics class, you know, face the mirror, don't face your students and do part whole part or demonstrate the whole move and then break it down. Uh, whatever works best for you Uh, I always would try something and then if I saw a lot of like confusion in the class or if I saw moves doing um, moves being done incorrectly I would walk around the room and using proximity I would say things like what I'm noticing in the room is instead of calling someone out what I'm noticing in the room and this is totally normal for some of our bodies to feel like we're doing the move like this but make sure you're intentional with you know, I'm um, just thinking of one where it was like stamp the ceiling. You're trying to work your glutes. And sometimes people are pressing their foot towards the back of the room instead of facing it towards the ceiling to really enhance um, the gluteus maximus uh, muscle in that contraction. So those are some very specific examples um, in the exercise and fitness space um, as far as getting them interested in uh, mastery experiences and really improving and enhancing that first time experience. If you're brand new to teaching um, or coaching, I don't expect you to have any of that memorized. You can listen to this episode again. Um, You can study your materials in your program more. Um, There are different options for you. Um, I spent a whole lot of time studying because I had substitute instructors so I didn't exactly know uh, what they knew and what they didn't but I knew I didn't want to be a fool by the time I got out of my studies and graduated because I was going to be in the school system and I was for for a long long time um, and I still translate those skills to everything else that I have incorporated so my 14 therapies that I've developed and I'm still in development with, right, because they're not accredited yet, so there will always be refinements, Um, I learned how to develop those curriculums um, by being forced to in the school system, never being provided a budget, and being expected to get kids to certain standard levels by the end of the school year uh, without any real materials. I mean, at one school, we had a budget of $300 for, I think there was 400 students, So it's less than a dollar per student. (laughs) So we had to get extremely creative with what we could do to create fun experiences for my goal was for them to want to be physically active for a lifetime. So creating positive first year or first few years experience around a sport or physical activity and then um, allowing them at that point to kind of taste and have a flavor for different sports and different activities so that they didn't feel like they had to pick one and go with it, but that they could try different ones and experience them and um, get some some good positive feedback. So those are some general things that I recommend if you are wanting to create more fun experiences for people is to uh, make sure that that first time doing it... Uh, that you're really intentional about it. You're really intentional about what you decide to say to the individual. If they're brand new, they le- they need lots of positive feedback. They they need, and positive feedback is encouragement, right? I really like how you dribbled with your finger pads instead of um, pressing down with your knuckles uh, for a new basketball player right so specific feedback I like that you did this instead of this Um, because then someone else hears oh we're not supposed to use our knuckles that was using their knuckles and you don't have to tell them what they did wrong (laughs) because they can learn if they're in close proximity so um, this has been great I hope that you enjoyed something about this Um, maybe the whole thing or maybe you learned something Um, it would mean the world to me if you would write a review and let us know um, what it is that you learned and how you're going to apply it in your life. Um, and let us know if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you work in the military, um, if you work in the metal, medical space. And um, one thing that I do want to share with you guys, I'm really excited. Through my nonprofit, Erin Nicole Ministries, um, we are hosting the second ever in the world real entertainment therapy experience. August 18th. This is geared towards any medical practitioners, Western, Eastern medicine, anyone that works with veterans and first responders. Um, Our goal is to improve in the treatment of people and patients with depression. And our veterans and our first responders are our highest risk population for that. They are 10 times more likely to complete the deed of ending their life by choice. And I want to change those stats. I cannot do it by myself. So we've partnered up. Uh, We've got some incredible speakers and musicians, including uh, head of Disney hotels, where he recently retired, I believe his son took over, but uh, Lee Cockrell's gonna join us. Um, We've also got a previous Super Bowl performer, Matt, who I uh, had the pleasure of going through the same high school music program, the music company under Mr. Krause. Um, I was a little bit older than him, so I got to graduate a few years before, uh, but we have, an incredible social media group, and I got to stay connected with him and and see him progress in his journey. So he's gonna share some of his music. Uh, We've also got Ray Hayden and Sergey. I actually know them from back home. They've got a group named Grieve the Astronaut, and they've got a phenomenal song that's just so perfect with the topic of community. Uh, Ray actually helped connect me a few years ago to be able to sing for a AAA baseball team in Tacoma, Washington, where I kind of grew up near there. And there was, you can Google it, but I want to say there's around maybe 5,000 seats, maybe 6,000, maybe more. Uh, But that was the first time that I ever sang by myself to that large of an audience. So I am paying it forward to him. And uh, he and his wife, Jessica, wrote the song that will be shared at the experience and um, we've got some more just incredible musicians Um, I'm gonna actually sing some original music as well Uh, we're trying our best to have the music pre-recorded so that you can meet the musicians but so that the sound quality is really good because we had some not so great sound quality last year so I'm learning we're all learning and improving and The goal of this experience eventually is for us to kind of set thresholds, um, set standards for what we like, what we don't like, and make changes to it to eventually create the first entertainment therapy in the world. Um, So this is something that you get to be a part of, give us feedback, and help us design something that can really positively impact people's mental health that lean more towards the entertainment space. And you can receive this as a therapy Um, once it's white papered and whatnot um, so this is of course in progress this is something that is developing we are developing it together as a community so you might be thinking who can join well it's free for anyone to join Uh, the way we're doing the signups right now um, the best way to do it is to reach out and uh, get me a good email address or robbie o'connor is on linkedin and Facebook, you can reach out to him as well and say, "Hey, can you add me to the invite list?" Uh, but basically, we're gonna send one email at one time on the fifteenth of August, and it's a email drip campaign. So if you get us your email before August fifteenth, uh, we'll say one a.m. because I'm not gonna look for people's information on the fifteenth. You already have given it to me by the fourteenth midnight, please. Um, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we're gonna plug in your email address and it's gonna send you the invite with the Zoom link instructions. Uh, This is because there are a lot of people that are on the invite list from the people I've reached out to. And I have to upgrade and pay for um, a larger space room and I'll be asking for sponsorship dollars. So the best way for us to know is for you to RSVP ASAP so that we can get a head count. Um, if we're estimating it at uh, we have a two hundred thousand estimated invite list, so we're hoping and expecting one percent would be reasonable. so two thousand people. Um, so there's different thresholds for that. and there's different cost factors for that. and there's also a time factor for me because there's only two of us and I'm working twelve to 14 hour days for my day job. so, Uh, The sooner you can get your email, um, the easier it will be for us to include you in this experience. And there's no fee, there's no charge. If you want to donate, you can um, to help us with it, but don't feel obligated. You go to erinnicoleministries.org. That's E-R-I-N-N-I-C-O-L-E-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot O-R-G. And... Um, Otherwise, you can join, you can send it to a friend. um, If you know any doctors, practitioners, Reiki masters, yoga instructors, music therapy, rec therapists. Uh, We want everybody there from traditional medicine as well as non-traditional. And um, I always share the downloads of where we're at on the show, but I'm in my work car. I just pulled up to the parking lot So I don't have those downloads, but you can check where we're at as far as our listening room experience competition. Once we get to 10,000 downloads of the podcast, you uh, get invited if you're one of our regular listeners and super fans that's sharing our content on social media and tagging us and whatnot. Um, You can go to themovehappy.podbean.com and check the stats there. And I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time today. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. See you next week, guys.